We're going to be looking at uh, 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17 this morning. If you want to turn there in your Bibles. If you don't have one, there's a few Bibles in the back. You guys can grab one back there. But yes, this is, the, this is really the classic text. We're looking at God's Word and uh, what it means to us. So we're back here at church again this morning. We had an awesome time last night at our party. And uh, we're jumping back into our focus on discipleship, what it means to be a true Christ follower. We're calling this the 5G life. Over the past three Sundays, we spent considerable time talking about these three essential relationships that we have as a true Christ follower. Uh, so last Sunday, we considered Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16, looking at Jesus as the light of the world, uh, learning that we as disciples are the light of the world. Remember, he, he said to us, he says to disciples and us, that we are the light of the world. We're a city on a hill that cannot be contained, a lamp on a stand that shines into the darkness. And that one, the thing that we learned was that a true Christ follower cannot hoard their faith. Cannot hoard our faith, but we're compelled to share it with others. And the week before that, we looked at Romans 12, verses 3 to 6, and we discovered that a true Christ follower cannot fulfill God's will for their life if they do not connect to the church. And then Sunday before that, we studied the theology of abiding in the vine of Christ, and we concluded from John 15, 5, that it's impossible to follow Christ without first abiding in him. And so we're returning to that abiding today. We're going to flesh some of that out. And so we have these three relational foundations. This abiding, remember, it's how we relate to the Lord. This connecting, how we relate to each other. And sharing, how we connect and share with the world. We relate in all these three different ways. Now we want to have a look at how practically we can apply this to our life. So let's just think about relationships for a minute relationships. And when it comes to the most significant relationships in your life, what role does the investment of time play into those relationships? Does time equate some kind of quality of relationship? How vital is time to our relationships with one another? Let's just think about uh, when you were younger, maybe you had a best friend or you were really close with a, with a brother or a sister, you might have said, we were inseparable. We were glued at the hip. We were always spending time together. I have a twin brother. I grew up with him, and we were always together. We had an old brother, but my twin brother and I were very, very tight. We still are. Um, so we were inseparable. Let's look at a happy marriage. Studies show that marriages thrive when couples spend a lot of time together, Right? Marriages don't thrive when you don't spend a lot of time together. Think about your mother or your caretaker as a child. How much time did she spend feeding you and cleaning you and loving you throughout your whole childhood? Well, the truth is that the quality of a relationship is really tied to how much time we spend with that relationship. And so we're looking at these relationships, this relationship of abiding in the vine, abiding in the Lord, so our context today is, is abiding with the Lord. We have to really invest our time in order that we can have a quality relationship with the Lord. We're going to call this our God time. God time. So the quality of our abiding relationship with God really boils down to looking 
at two significant ways that we spend our time with him. Two significant ways. The first is God time. We're going to call this God time number one, and it's hearing from God. Hearing from God. Time in God's word. And then we're going to look at next week, speaking to God, which is time in prayer. So this hearing from God and speaking to God, it's this conversation we have with the Lord. He speaks to us through his word, and then we respond and we speak back to him through prayer. But this morning we're going to focus on this, that a true disciple intentionally pursues God through hearing his voice daily through time in his word. So let's have a look at the text here. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you that uh, we have your word open before us that uh, through all of these thousands of years your word was preserved, copied, copied so exactly that we have your truth in front of us this morning. It is sufficient, it is inerrant, it is full of life, it is living, it is active. You speak to us through your word. Lord, we praise you this morning. We worship you this morning that you have spoken to us and you've spoken to us so sufficiently through your written word. And so we ask that you would speak to us today through it, that you would teach us, that you would guide us, and that you would show us ourselves and also show us you, that we would be in awe of you, beholding your glory and being changed by what you have revealed. Be with our hearts and our minds. May your spirit apply it deeply to our hearts that we would respond in faith and worship to you. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so we find ourselves today in 2 Timothy. This is Paul's letter to the young pastor, Timothy. Remember, Timothy was Paul's beloved apprentice. He called him his beloved son. Uh, now he's a young pastor at the church of Ephesus. Now, Paul's letter to Timothy was a letter of encouragement. It was a letter of warning. It was a letter of instruction. It was really a letter about how this young pastor was going to deal with some immediate danger, false teaching in the church, immorality affecting the church. And in chapter 3, Paul warns Timothy of this increasing godlessness in the world and in his church, that people will be lovers of self, lovers of sin and pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Timothy is to avoid those who have this appearance of godliness, but they deny its power. This is the kind of people we don't want to be. We don't want to look the part, but we really aren't the part. Timothy is to avoid those. Um, he's to avoid those who are always learning, but never able to arrive at the truth. He's to avoid those who deceive the church with the false teaching. And then Paul commends Timothy to hold fast to God's word. 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 15, just previous to our text, says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with 
the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. God's word is the revelation of salvation for his people. Paul is calling young Timothy to remember what he has learned, to hold fast to God's word. And then he says in verse 16, he says, all scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture is breathed out by God. So as you and I face a world of godliness, or godlessness, sorry, we see a lot of immorality, we see a lot of deception, we see a lot of subjective truth, and it's affecting those around us, it's affecting the church as well. Our only hope in becoming and growing as a true disciple, as a true Christ follower, follower is to hold fast to God's sacred writings. God's personal, breathed-out truth is found only in his word. And this embracing and holding fast to God's truth, his word, takes time. It takes time. That's what we're calling this God time. And the first step in embracing the reality of this fundamental foundation for us is that we need to hear God's voice. All scripture is breathed out by God. We need to hear God's voice. Who here has wanted to hear God's voice in their life? I know, I'm with you. I'm with you. Have you ever wanted to hear the Lord speak directly to you? Have you ever cried out to God? If you're really real, would you just say something to me? Would you speak to me, Lord? And God's answer is this. All scripture is breathed out by me. So did you know that God personally speaks to you? He speaks directly to you. And he speaks to you through his written word. All scripture is breathed out by God. That's such a personal breathing out. So this, this breathing out, this, this word comes from the Greek word theopneustos which has been translated in the past, inspired, and it is correct to say that it's inspired, but there's also a lot of wiggle room in there. I think the NASB says inspired, King James Version, New Revised Bible, um, but the NIV and ESV more precisely translate this God-breathed, or breathed out, in the sense of being understood as the very air, physical air, from God's lungs being breathed out into the pages of Scripture. God is sovereign. He is the supreme origin of our Scripture. And Scripture says exactly what God intended to say. Now we can spend a lot of time talking about the veracity and the truth of Scripture. We, we, we talked all through October about His inerrancy and infallibility and sufficiency. If you want to go back and review that content, that would be great. That's not our aim today. We've already kind of built that foundation. Um, but for the point of this sermon this morning, we want to see how this applies to our abiding. How does this apply to my abiding with Jesus Christ? How do I abide in the vine through God, time through God's word? Well, we need to embrace and believe that God has personally and directly spoken to each one of us. He has spoken to me. He has spoken to you through his written word. This is essential to 
for understanding of the faith. If you and I want to be true Christ followers, we need to hear God's voice through his very word. Psalm 1, 1 to 3 sums this up as well beautifully. It said, Blessed, happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The law of the Lord is God's voice. It's his written word, his breathed out scripture. And so you and I need to approach this abiding in Christ firstly and foundationally understanding that God has spoken to you. The creator, the creator and sustainer of this universe has spoken to you. That just, just causes us to just fall flat on the floor to think about that, right? The only God, the one who cast the stars, we can't even travel that. We can't even see how far he has built our universe and designed it. He, so large, so imminent, so powerful, has spoken to us. We've got to believe this, right? This would drive us to his word if we really believed it. Does our devotion to God's word reveal that we really believe this? This is, this is really, it's, it's really unbelievably true when you think about it, that God himself has spoken. Try to wrap your mind around that. Try to meditate on that this week. God has spoken to me. When you get up and you see your Bible on your nightstand or on your coffee table and, and you've got that urge inside you that's oh, so busy, I don't know if I can get it done. Think, the Lord of the heavens has spoke to me through that word. And that should draw you to him. So let's remember that the Bible is not a collection of fragmented stories, not a bunch of random thoughts, not a bunch of man-made ideas. This book is the living word of God, breathed out by God. It's his testimony of himself. It's his self-revelation. It's his revelation to you that you can have salvation in Jesus Christ. It's everything to us. The truth is that we need to hear God's voice. And his voice is effectual. It does work. I need to hear God's voice to receive his help. All scripture is breathed out by God, it says, and profitable. It's profitable. I need to hear God's voice to receive his help. This word profitable uh, means useful. It means beneficial. It means it actually does something. It actually does something in us. It has the power to help. It has the power to transform. We need God's word to receive God's help. Just like at the end of Psalm 1, 1 to 3, we just read that the word is the source of life. We can become strong and healthy like trees planted by streams of water. I don't know if you've seen that or not, if you've walked in the forest. Uh, sometimes you'll walk by kind of a swampy, ugly area or a dry area. The trees just don't look that healthy. 
you come along a river where it's a nice clean gravel bed and you see a spruce tree or a pine tree that they're strong they're healthy they're straight and they stand a long time there is ongoing beautiful spiritual fruit as christians when we hold fast to his word and so we need to hear god's voice to receive his help so i was recently in a bookstore not too long ago and and I couldn't help but notice the, uh, the size difference between the self-help section of the bookstore and the religious section of the bookstore. Have you guys looked at that lately, like in the chapters or Indigo? Go have a look next time you're in there. Have a look at the religious section. What was most concerning to me was that in this bookstore of thousands and thousands of books, there was three Bibles on the shelf. Three Bibles amidst thousands and thousands of books of man's ideas. So we've got to imagine this. The number one selling, most read book throughout all of history, the holy source of living truth itself was relegated to three out of thousands. What does that tell us about ourselves? It tells us that we're looking for help in all the wrong places, right? Also, when you look at the religious section, a large portion of that section was religious self-help books as well. We have been given the helper. The book of John tells us we have the paraclete, it's the Holy Spirit, the one who is the helper, the one who wrote scripture to us. He supernaturally wrote this book through men. And he has preserved it for the ages. So I'm not saying that. I'm not saying books aren't helpful. Yeah, self-help books are helpful. That's why people love them. Christian books are helpful. I highly commend them to you. I think they're necessary to your life. But there's a tendency for us to run from the greatest help that we need, which is the very words of God. So you and I need to hear God's voice to receive his help. So when it comes to your walk with the Lord, with the challenges of life, with the, the struggles of sin, with our relationships, with finding joy amidst the suffering, with wanting true and lasting transformation in our life, do we think that we need a little help? Do we think we need a lot of help? I think we need a lot of help. God's very breathed out words are the very help that you need. It's profitable. All of Scripture is full of this. When we open up God's word, it reminds us how much help we need. Psalm 119.24 says, Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. The word of God counsels you. 119, 147, I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words, God's word is so helpful. Verses 173 to 175, let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you, and let your rules help me. And then Jesus himself, John 6, 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. 
The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So that's just a few verses from our word telling us how helpful it is. It attests to its own usefulness, its own profitableness. And so in our world, we're tempted to seek the wisdom of the world in many and different ways. Yes, God has allowed through science and discovery for us to discover all kinds of awesome things, to understand how his creation works. But we need to understand his revelation if we want true and lasting eternal help. Words that come from the very voice of God himself. We desperately need the Lord's help. John 6, verses 66 to 88. Jesus just finished teaching. He, teach, he was just teaching on some things that were very hard to understand for the crowds that were around him. And it says in this verse, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And so then Jesus says to his twelve, turns to his twelve that are with him, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answers him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he has and has given us the words of eternal life? The way that Peter responds is the way that we need to respond. And sometimes it's hard. I get it. But that needs to be our cry. Now Charles Spurgeon just says this really simply about this. He says, regarding our, our need of help, he says, God will never cease to help us until we cease to need. We need help. God is always there to help us. So we desperately need to hear God's voice because we all desperately need his divine help. And he says to us here, he says, run to my word. That's where you're going to find your help. It works, it transforms, and it helps. So maybe you're saying, okay, I get it. I need to be in God's word. I, I understand that. My pastor, my friends, my family, they're all telling me that I need to be in God's word. So I have a copy in my hands. Now how does this work, right? How do I do this? How does it help? So we're going to look at some of that today. Have you really thought about the process of how God's word works in your life? How does this process of change by God's word actually happen? Well, Paul is going to tell us here how the word works. And he outlines this process for us in our text today. And this first step of help is teaching. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. That gives us our, our third point, which is we need to hear his voice to receive his knowledge. We need to hear his voice to receive his knowledge. So this, this word being translated, didaskalia, it's, it's the Greek word. Um, it actually is translated teaching here, but it can more fully mean instruction or doctrine. In fact, 1 Timothy 1.10 translates the same word, sound doctrine teaching from the very mind of God. And so we see here, this first step for any hope, or any prophet, or any help, is to hear God's voice through his words, teaching us sound doctrine. Remember, there's 
false teaching going on in Timothy's church. And we need to hold fast to what is right, what is true, what is God's right doctrine, right understanding. So we need to receive his knowledge, his wisdom, his perspective, his outlook on the world, his understanding. Because why? Why do we need to try to understand the Lord's mind? We have to remember that our minds are fallen. Our minds are distorted. Ever since the fall of mankind, Scripture says that our thinking is futile. It's sinful. Ephesians 4.18 says that we are darkened in our understanding. And so you and I need to have our thinking transplanted, renewed. And that happens by having our minds made new, renewed. Romans 12.2 commands us not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed, how? By the renewal of our minds. So brothers and sisters, we all need a spiritual brain transplant. And God is the only surgeon that can do that for you. He's the only one with the plan. He's the only one who is capable. And this all comes funneled through his work, his teaching, his knowledge, which penetrates our thoughts. And more than that, it penetrates our minds and drives into our hearts. God's word, his mind, we need to start thinking like him. Did you know that uh, your, the source of your sin is always rooted in wrong thinking? It's always rooted in wrong, wrong thinking. I want you to see this, the diagram we have here. We call this the head-heart-hand diagram. We'll be using this in our future with biblical counseling in our church. But it's a great understanding of how God's Word actually works. So, let's have a look at this. So over here is your actions, right? Whatever you're doing, the, the sinful things that you're actually doing, the, the volition, the, the committing sin on this side, right? But you're wondering, why am I doing this? Why am I sinning over here? Well, as you look at Scripture, it really shows us a pattern for how this happens. And so just this diagram kind of lays this out. Our sinful actions are a problem because we have a sinful heart that is causing those actions. We have sinful affections, wrong affections that are going on, which is leading to the sinful actions. Now, those affections are driven by having wrong thinking. Okay, Wrong thinking leads to wrong affections, leads to wrong actions. And so we're going to look at that today. We need to have right thinking which leads to right desires, which leads to right actions. Let's just test this out a little bit. Let's think of marital infidelity. Somebody searching for fulfillment outside of their marriage, wrong actions. So what's at the core of this? Well, we know that there's some wrong desires in the heart. There's lust going on. There's a desiring for something that is forbidden, a desiring for something that is not mine. God has not given me that. It's not for me. And that is driven by wrong thinking, right? God's holding back something from me, right? I'm starting to believe the thinking of the world that that's better for me. That's going to fulfill me, right? That's what you really need. That's what the world, Satan, and the flesh wants you to believe. So as you look at the diagram, you can see that it's all rooted in wrong thinking. 
So we need to have our minds renewed. And so as you look at your life and you see your sin, you see your behavior, remember that your sin is rooted in wrong thinking. So we've got to start embracing God's teaching, his knowledge, his instruction, and this comes again. You're going to hear this over and over again today. This comes through God's word, his very voice. So we're going to talk more about that in, in, in the years to come as a church, that when we're uh, doing life together as a small group, as a church, when we're, we're talking about our sin together, we've got to remember that God's work is effectual to change you, and that's the process on how it happens. So we, we need to embrace and take in the Lord's teaching. The Holy Spirit uses God's word to convict the heart, and it starts to expose wrong desires. And then we need to be reproved. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for reproof. For reproof. And so what we're learning here is that we need to hear God's voice to receive his conviction. We need to hear his voice to receive his conviction. So knowledge, and now I want to have my heart convicted. Reproof really means to rebuke, to criticize, to convict. So our wrong desires. When we're looking at our hearts, we've got these passions in us. We've got these passions at work. I'm, I'm desiring this. What's going on? I'm having wrong desires. I need those desires criticized. I need the Lord to speak into that and say, your desires are misplaced here. Your passions are in the wrong neck of the woods. You need to be uh, renewed. And so God's words, in the hands of the Holy Spirit, convicts and reproves our hearts. We need to embrace that. So about a year ago, Kim's dad was driving down the highway with Kim's mom. They were out of town, heading home. They were shopping out of town. And uh, when he left, uh, Grand Prairie was the town they were leaving to go home. Um, he felt a little sick, but he thought, I'm just going to push through and keep on going. And uh, he, got, he got a little closer to our hometown, about an hour away, and he started to feel a lot of pain in his arm and a, and a really stiffening and, and, and painful situation going on in his neck. And so they frantically drove to the hospital in Fort St. John. They got to the hospital, right to the ER, and doctors started working on him. Well, it turns out that he was about to have massive heart attack. And so after many hours of diagnosis, they, they flew him up to Vancouver, and through some more work of some more physicians, they ended up having to do some surgery and discovered that he had a major blockage in his heart. He had a major heart issue. So it's the same with us. We have a major issue going on in our heart. We have the worst heart condition that we can imagine. We're sinners in desperate need of conviction. And the voice of God is our only hope. We need to discover what our problem is by his voice. The Lord is our spiritual surgeon. He is the only one that can open up the heart and show you what your problems are. He says this in Hebrews 4.12. He says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Right? God's word powerfully exposes our innermost thoughts, our wrong desires, our futile beliefs, our sinful intentions. God is this 
masterful surgeon, this using the Bible as this piercing sword. He cuts precisely. He cuts deep. He gets to the root, and he exposes the problem by the supernatural work of his word. And so you and I must have our hearts continually examined, continually pulled open, bare by the Lord as he convicts us of our sin. Has anybody sat in a sermon or listened to a sermon online where you just you just felt like that sermon was written right to me? Right? That would, the, the, the pastor has been reading my diary, he's been reading my emails, whatever, reading my mind, maybe. And uh, I think that he's been he's just talking right to me. Well, what's really going on there? The power of the word of God in the hands of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God, this living and active Word, is driving deep into your hearts and exposing your thoughts and your intentions. It hurts, right? But it's good. The Word of God convicts. I don't know about you, but some of the most memorable moments of my salvation are those when I've been plowed down by Scripture. When I've been really hit hard when I received the uppercut of the word and I'm not flat, the most memorable. In those moments, I really discover how loving my Lord is to me, that he would care enough to drive a sword into my heart and expose my deepest problems because he wants them changed. He wants them renewed. He wants to reconcile you to him. God's word is strong. The Lord says in Jeremiah 23, 29, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? So the less that we're devoting to God's word, the harder our hearts become. Right? As a Christian, your heart has been made new. You've been given a heart of flesh. But as we continue on in our faith, we have seasons of sin that somewhat hardens our hearts towards the Lord. We just grow bitter sometimes. We grow cold. We feel God's not with us, right? But he's never left us. And then sometimes we run from the Lord in those moments. We, we run from his word. That's the last thing that I need is God's word. You've got to understand, you need the hammer of the word of God on your heart. I need it. The hammer of God shatters the sinful heart and exposes that flesh. So are you experiencing the conviction of the Holy Spirit on a regular basis? Let's have a look at your life. Am I experiencing this on a regular basis? So I'm not just talking about feeling guilty. I'm not talking about feeling manipulated. Are you feeling deep Holy Spirit conviction, sanctifying conviction over sin in your life? Are you regularly running to the great physician and asking him to reveal more and more sin to you? He is the wisest teacher. He is the most amazing uh, surgeon. And he reveals to us Knowledge for his glory. 
Are you going to the battering ram of the word of God to break your stony heart on a continual basis? When you think of Christianity, it's really a, an interesting, odd kind of concept sometimes. We don't just want to feel that we, you know, we want to feel good in life. We want to be happy. We want to be full of joy. But we want to hear from God talking to us and doing some surgery on us. And we need to do that on a continual basis. And so, and we do that by running to the Lord's Word. And I'll just say this, Sunday morning is not enough. Sunday morning is not enough for God to be doing a deep work on your heart. It needs to be done personally. That's why he's written a book to you. That's why you have it in your hands. And so, however you do it, whether it's morning or night, or maybe both, I don't know. Go to God's Word and look at it as a tool that is being used in your life to change you. Spurgeon says this. I got another Spurgeon quote. It's just too good. So he says, Why is it that some Christians, although they hear many sermons, make but slow advances in the divine life? Because they neglect their closets and do not thoughtfully meditate on God's word. They love the wheat, but they do not grind it. They would have the corn, but they will not go forth into the fields to gather it. The fruit hangs upon the tree, but they will not pluck it. The water flows at their feet, but they will not stoop to drink it. For such, from such folly, deliver us, O Lord. Some people can only say it like Spurgeon, and he's just amazing at that. So. But it's true, it's so true, it's so true for us. Right? We've got the living word of God in our hands. Let's run to it for conviction. And so let's analyze how are we doing in our God time? How are we doing uh, when we are with our Bibles? How are we doing with this word in the morning and the evening, whenever we're reading it? Are you hearing from him daily? Are you hearing the voice of God through his word daily? So take some time this week. Our small groups are off. But take that time to start analyzing how am I doing in God's word? Because we need to hear it. We need to hear his voice. We need to receive his conviction. So we have this knowledge enlightening our minds. We have this conviction exposing our sin, right? But God doesn't stop there. God's word doesn't just leave you exposed, and he doesn't just leave. Like a skilled surgeon, God inspects, he examines, he removes the problem, and then he begins to put you back together again. That's the beauty of God's word. So we need to hear God's voice to receive his correction. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for correction. So looking back at the heart diagram again, we see this divine correction to our thinking. Uh, supernaturally, we see this uh, correcting of desires of the heart, that it would lead to change. And to correct something means to intervene, right? We're going in one direction, and it's you're being intervened by something, right? There used to be an old TV show called Intervention, right? Somebody struggling with some kind of addiction, and the family would get together and intervene so that they can change the direction of their life. To correct is to stop course. It's to redirect. It's to recalibrate. It's to discover through measurement that you're off course. You, you discover that your calculations were all wrong. 
you may have been going wrong for a very long time, in a whole wrong direction. Just think of back, back in the days of sailing, even at this time, they didn't have GPS, they didn't have sonar. Captains had to sail by the sun and the moon and the stars. And to make sure that their ship was going on course, staying on course, they would constantly have to correct and measure themselves and their position against the sky. The stars and the planets, that was their standard, that was their measuring device. And they would have to calibrate their course based on the stars. And, and, and waters are dangerous. If you just looked at this, uh, the Mediterranean Sea, um, do you guys remember a storm at sea when, when Paul was, was out at sea? It's dangerous, it's dangerous, uh, it's a dangerous uh, sea. And so you have to be careful how you navigate. And they would do that by measuring themselves against the standard. And so we as Christ followers, we have a standard to measure ourselves against, and it's the very words of God. It's our words of correction. So the truth is that we can't measure ourselves against the world. We can't measure ourselves against man's opinion. We have God's commands. We have his principles. We have his wisdom. And we need to calibrate our lives to that standard. And it's his word. Psalm 119.9 asks this rhetorical question. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to his word, to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. And I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. A young man can keep his way pure by calibrating his life according to God's word, his commandments, his promises. So do we want to grow in our spiritual lives? Do we want to grow in our walk with the Lord? Do you want to live a life of purity? <clears throat> do you desire to live for Christ in all that you do? And guard your life according to God's word. His word is your, your guiding light. It's, it's this word amidst darkness. It's like that shining light on the hill that we were talking about last week. So brothers and sisters, in this life we're going to stumble, we're going to fall. As Christians we fall. As Christians, we, we sin. We do. Now you may find yourself in a ditch. You may find yourself wobbling. No faith, it feels like. You may be finding yourself in the darkness of sin, but know this. The Lord has given you his measuring rod. Jesus himself is the way and the truth and the light, and he's given you this, this road map of sanctification. And that roadmap is knowing God through his word and knowing yourself according to the word. Psalm 119 says this very clearly in verse 105. I'm quoting a lot from Psalm 119. You guys should, maybe next week or the week after, take Psalm 119, read through all of it, pray through it. It's all about how vital and precious God's word is to us. But it says in verse 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. We're seeing a picture of somebody walking down a dark road, but there is a path. And we need God's word opened up to shine that light on the path and to show us the direction that we need to go. We need to hear God's voice. 
We need to hear God's voice to receive his correction. So now it's one thing to correct our path. Right? God is starting to put us back together through his word here. It's one thing to repent of our ways, but it's another thing to stay on a path. We need to hear God's voice to receive his training. All scriptures breathed up by God and profitable for training in righteousness. We have to remember that salvation, again, is not only just entrance into the kingdom of God. Salvation is also our ongoing sanctification. As a person is saved, they are sanctified, which means they're set apart. But there is progressive sanctification that goes on, which means less of me, more of Christ. So we are sanctified, but we are being sanctified, which is growing in holiness for the glory of God, for his good pleasure. God's word to men is God's training manual for righteousness, his training manual for holiness. We understand that as Christians, when we are saved, we are declared righteous, that can never be removed, but we're also trained in righteousness to, to begin looking like Christ. So anybody at work, you probably have like some kind of big training manual, right? I remember working in the oil patch, and, and we had training manuals like this, safety manuals for everything. We had, like, even if you had to remove a screw from something, they had some kind of a safe operating practice for removing that screw. It was, it was really getting insane. But there is a safety manual that we have, right? And we have, as Christians, on-the-job training, right? And so we're saved, and we're moving down the path, and we're being trained as we go, right? And the manual is the Lord's word. And he trains us in his righteousness. This past August, I think it was the 21st of August, the USS John McCain, this is a guided missile destroyer. This is a great big warship. Um, it's always around North Korea because of the, the hesitations going on there. It's a, it's a ship in the American Navy, and it collided with an oil tanker in the middle of the ocean. Almost seems impossible, but it did. Now, this accident left a massive hole in this ship, and sadly, 10 Navy officers also died in this accident. So you wonder, how do these two massive ships collide in the middle of an ocean? Well, after much investigation, one of the biggest findings was that there was a severe lack of training going on on that ship. A lot of young guys under 25 that would rotate in and out off that ship and they were not training like they were supposed to. It's also the same with like a construction site or something that is really safety critical in industry, maybe military. Training is so important to safety and success. I worked for 16 years in the oil patch and uh, we had to continually renew our safety certificates because our jobs were very dangerous. I've seen a lot of dangerous things out there. So how much more ought we be training for our Christian life? And God is providing that training through his word. As you and I take it, as we apply it, as we live our lives daily, he uses it faithfully to train you in godliness. And the more training we have in God's word, the more we know who God is, and the more we know what he desires. And then he equips us to know how to live this Christian life.
You and I cannot pursue righteousness outside of God's Word. We cannot pursue this life of sanctification with our Bibles closed. We would be very unhealthy. We would be a sickly tree. And we would be weak. 1 Timothy 4, Paul describes what a true servant is. It's one who is trained in the words of the faith and of good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So God's word is at the very center of your training for godliness. Without it, we don't have hope. So we need to be hearing from him daily. So perhaps maybe you're feeling a little weak. Maybe you've been having a rough month. Maybe God's word has been not opened as much. And, and, and you're wondering why you're not, you're not feeling strong in the Lord, why you're, why you're feeling distant from him. Well, the answer is very clear. Run to me. Call out to me. Open my word. Hear from me. I'm enough for you. I have all that you need. And you need to continue on your path of righteousness. He will train you for right living. So as you take in God's word, and it changes your way of thinking, just like the, the heart diagram we were looking at there. I think we got another one there. It's the same one. You apply it to your heart. So you take God's knowledge, right? And you, you take it in, and it starts to change the way that you think. The more that you take it in, you start to think like God, right? His perspectives start to invade your thoughts, and it starts to change you. And then you take that knowledge, and you start applying it to your heart as wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge applied to the heart. And then your affections begin to change. And then that leads to worship, true worship of the Lord. God's word works. Your behavior will begin to change as it matches your desires because of your new thinking. And this is beautiful. This is amazing that God loves us so much to give us this amazing thing to transform us to growth. So all scripture is breathed up by God. And then he closes by saying that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God's word pursued and applied intentionally and consistently leads to completeness and maturity. Completeness and maturity. What do we say about making disciples here at Harvest? We want to make disciples. We want to mature disciples. We want to multiply disciples. So this is maturity, this growing in faith, growing in the Lord. So, brothers and sisters, God blesses the intake of his word and he matures you. He, he makes you complete in him. This completeness really means that you are qualified. You are proficient. You are skilled. You are equipped. And then you're ultimately ready to do his good work. So a trust, you become a trusted servant. One who is capable one who can now worship and walk and work for Christ. You're a Christian who's dying to sin, living to Christ, and you're fit for the Great Commission. 
and you're worshiping in spirit and truth. And so this abiding and this connecting and sharing can only happen as your minds are being renewed, as God matures you. And so our goal in following Christ is to conform, to conform to Christ's image, to come under God's will, and his will for us is to mold us and to shape us, to mature us into useful, holy servants for his glory. And this is our spiritual worship. Right? We love to sing songs, that's worship, but our spiritual worship is growing closer and closer to Jesus Christ. And we will do this until the day that Christ comes to take us home. As Christ sits right now at the right hand of the Father, and we await his return, we don't wait idly. We wait faithfully, and we wait urgently. So like young Timothy, receiving these instructions from Paul, instructions from the Lord, we are to hold fast. Hold fast to the very words of God. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So I pray that you're, you're seeing this process laid out here. That this is how God's word actually works. And the main key is that that word needs to be open. So I urge you, and I urge myself, to be all the more diving into the scriptures. Abiding in the vine. Abiding in the word of God. Jesus said that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from who? From the mouth of God. And so let's get up in the mornings or in the evenings. And let's grab that bread. And let's feast upon the living word. A true Christ follower intentionally pursues God, hearing his voice daily through time and his word. So we need to hear God's voice, we'll just recap here, to receive his help, to receive his knowledge, to receive his conviction, to receive his correction, to receive his training, and then ultimately to receive his maturing so that we are equipped for every good work and we can bring glory to God in honest, pure worship of him. So next week we're going to be looking at abiding in the Lord through prayer. So we, we talked about hearing from the Lord. That's his one-way direction to us, his speaking to us through his word. And next week, we're going to talk about how that goes back to the Lord, and that is through our prayers. We speak back the Lord's word to himself, right? We'll talk more about that next week. And so I pray that you guys are thinking about this, wanting to apply this deeply into your heart. I'm going to post a little uh, a booklet called God Time from Harvest Oakville, and it really is a simplified outline of how you are to apply God's Word into your life. So it's going to talk just a little bit about context and things, just some real simple tools for how do I read it, how do I understand it, and how do I apply it. And so I'll post that tonight, and you guys can go ahead and download this. It's a free PDF to have a look at. But the Lord's Word is so good. And we have to remind ourselves that. i got to remind myself of how good this book is that I have in my hands. Let's pray.
Revelation 19, 6 Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out. Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Lord, we thank you that you have given us this book. You have given us your very words. Your voice cries out to us through Scripture. We thank you that you, you renew our minds and our hearts and you change our behavior. These are all gospel-motivated, spirit-empowered, all of grace by you. And for that, we thank you, Lord. We also thank you that you are, you are maturing us, that you are making a pure bride, and that one day we will be fully mature, fully complete in you, with you for all eternity. Thank you for today. Thank you for your word. We thank you that it does convict but it also encourages, and it also puts us back together. You do a whole work on our hearts, and you are amazing. And we thank you. We praise you. In Christ's name.